I'm Christine Chicano, and this is the Wandering Hippie Podcast. So this week, I am going to be talking about some of my tips to travel cheaply. Um, I have an upcoming trip, so what better time than to talk about these tips, because I just use them, buying all my accommodations and flights and all that good stuff. So let's get started. So I guess... This isn't going to be like tip number one, tip number two. It's just going to be some general tips and we'll we'll see where it goes. So my first tip is to travel to cheap countries. That may seem kind of like, well, duh, I'm going to travel to cheap countries. But I think a lot of people just want to travel Europe or, you know, maybe some places in Asia, but they kind of forget about, you know, South America or you know, cheaper places in Europe, cheaper places in Asia, and even places in Africa as well. So travel in cheap countries, meaning that the cost of housing and food are on the cheaper side in comparison to where you're from in your country. Flights are going to be the most expensive part of your trip. So it just, there's going to be more tips to come on how to find cheap flights, but Just first and foremost, traveling to cheap countries. So the next tip is to stay for a longer period of time. So I usually like to stay for more than a week or two weeks or, you know, even a month because I feel really immersed into the culture that way. And once I develop a sort of routine and I have the stores that I go to and the people that I see in the community, I feel like I learn a lot more about the culture than if I just stayed for a week or a shorter amount of time where I'm just kind of doing the touristy things and forcing myself to go to all of the museums within a week and not getting to really experience anything. So that's my main reason for staying longer, but... For cheapness, it is better to stay longer because in terms of Airbnb, those rentals will usually have a discount for, sometimes I see weeks, like, you know, you get a discount if you stay for seven days, but more often than not, there is a monthly discount and it's usually pretty substantial, a a large discount for you staying for the entire month or even two months. So I stayed two months in Mexico and... I think it ended up being like 40% discount that I got simply because I stayed for two months in the same place. The next tip is to travel light and learn to pack light and not bring your entire closet. So for this, if you have an Airbnb that has a washing machine and you're planning to stay longer than a week, it's good to just pack like you were only staying for a week and then wash your clothes so that way you wouldn't have say a whole month's worth of clothing which is I don't know how many pants how many shirts but you'd only have two pairs of pants four shirts but you would reuse that maybe a jacket to kind of change it up but learn to pack more minimally and the reason for this is a lot of airlines will only allow a personal item when they're the cheap flights. So if you've ever flown in the U.S., well, it's a U.S. airline, Spirit Airlines, it's kind of just a basic package. You get a personal item, and that's it. So the when I went to Mexico, the flight that I used was Volatis, which was similar to Spirit, where it was only a personal item, and then you had to pay for extra baggage. 
I think right now to add a checked bag for Spirit Airlines, it is $52 one way. And for a carry-on bag, it is $58 one way. So if you are planning to go somewhere and you want to add a bag, that's going to be a hundred some dollars because you have to pay both ways to bring it there and to bring it back just for your baggage. So if that's something that you feel you need and you need a carry-on or you need a checked bag, I would suggest going for a more expensive flight where that's included. So maybe the flight is $50 more than Spirit or whatever airline it is, but it includes a carry-on. In that way, you wouldn't be paying $100, you would only be paying $50. So keep that in mind when you're looking for flights. For Volaris, it was much cheaper to add a bag, so I ended up adding a carry-on bag because I had to bring my textbooks for school because I didn't I didn't plan well for the trip. So I, of course, had like seven textbooks that I had to bring, and my carry-on was completely filled with that. So yeah, I guess if you're going to have school, that's that's another tip. Get those online books. Invest in a Kindle so you don't have to bring books if you like reading. I just got a Kindle from my mother for Christmas, and I'm very excited to use it. Unrelated, but, you know. Still on the traveling light tip. So coinciding with this is to wear your bulkiest clothes when you fly. For me, I wear, I layer up, of course, and I'm usually coming from a colder place than where I'm going. So I usually wear leggings and on top of that sweatpants or jeans and then I'm wearing a tank top, a t-shirt, a sweater, sometimes a cardigan, and then a jacket as well. So then you are bringing those clothes along with you so you'll have extra clothes. Especially when you're just, you know, wearing sweatpants to the airport. You're going to wear sweatpants lounging around your Airbnb or wherever you're staying. So it's nice to not have to pack your sweatpants because they take a lot of space in your bag. And after traveling for a bit, even maybe just one trip, you'll kind of learn what clothing you wear the most. And then the next time you fly or next time you take a trip, you don't have to bring whatever, that pair of pants that you never ended up wearing. For me, when I went to Mexico, I brought a pair of linen pants that I had never worn in the U.S., but I thought I would wear them in Mexico, you know. It's warmer out. It was, you know, they're cute. They're airy, breezy. I ended up never wearing them, and I gave them to my housemate before I left so that I didn't have to bring them back home with me. So now I know that I wouldn't wear those pants anyways, but also that trip taught me that I only wore two pairs of pants, two pairs of jeans. I wore my black pair and my dark blue pair. I didn't wear my other dark pair. And, you know, so you're just learning what you wear the most. It usually tends to be your most comfortable clothing, your most versatile clothing as well. So generally you want to adopt a minimalist mentality. There are so many videos and lists online of how to have a capsule wardrobe or dress like a minimalist. And basically it's simple colors, not a lot of patterns, and things that you can dress up or dress down. So very versatile pieces, versatile colors, so you can mix and match and not feel like you're just wearing the same outfit every single day, day in and day out. And the last thing I'm going to say about traveling light and packing light is to pare down your bathroom supplies, your beauty supplies, and all of that. So if you wear makeup, use some multi-purpose makeup so you're not bringing 
so many different cosmetics if you like to wear makeup. So what I like to do is I have a bronzer and a blush and both I can use as eyeshadow. So I don't ever bring any eyeshadow. And then my for my lip color, I bring pencils instead of a lipstick just because pencils take up less space. And if I wanted to bring more colors, it's easier to pack, you know, those little lip pencils instead. Um, and then small bottles of foundation and then a powder on top of that. And that's kind of all that I bring. Oh, and, you know, for my eyebrows and my mascara and stuff. But usually it can fit into a, a relatively small bag. And if you don't wear as much makeup as I do or you don't wear at all or if you, even if you wear more, you kind of have to put that into perspective of if you're actually going to wear it as much or if you can substitute your blush and not wear it, just have bronzer and things like that, which will also be learned after traveling a bit. Going on one trip, you find out that, oh, I never actually wore eyeshadow ever, so why did I bring it? Don't bring it next time. And that also applies to your bathroom supplies. So I personally like to use bars of soap for everything. I use a shampoo bar, conditioner bar, face soap bar, body soap bar. So bars of soap take less space up and it's not a liquid, so you don't have to account it into your your um, allotment of liquid. So bars of soap are great <laughs> if you never used one. There's tons of options out there to switch. Same with... Um, to wash my face so I have the bar of soap and I have a face lotion that I actually make myself and I have almond oil that I can use as a overall body lotion body oil and I use it to take off my makeup so I have a small bottle of that instead of having six different facial products and then six different body products not only is it better for traveling, but it's also better for the environment, better on your wallet because you're not paying for all of these expensive things and, you know, more natural, all of that stuff that I, I love to just incorporate in my life anyway. So the next tip, or I guess groups of tips, will be about Airbnb and places to stay. So the first thing first, there are different options. If you've never traveled before, if you're starting on your travel journey and you don't really know how to travel cheap, there are different options. You don't have to just go to a hotel. So there's Airbnb, which is you can rent a whole house or a whole apartment where you're the only person living there or your group is the only person living there. You can rent a room within an Airbnb. Usually that is travelers will rent multiple rooms in the floor or the apartment um, so that way you would meet new travelers, but they wouldn't be locals. And then there is also you can rent a room and share the house. You have a shared kitchen area with the person who owns the building or the person who owns the apartment, which is what I did in Mexico. And then there are hostels, which is usually it's kind of a dorm style living. So there will be a room and they'll have Bunk beds, four people, eight people will be in the room. You share a kitchen area or a living area and you share bathrooms and things like that. Hostels are usually the cheapest. And I like to use hostels when I'm staying somewhere for a shorter amount of time. So when I went to Puerto Rico, I was there for about a week and a half. And I just rented a hostel for that time because it is cheaper and I didn't feel the need to have my own private space. When you're staying 
somewhere for a longer period of time, you might feel that it is better to have, you know, you'd want to be by yourself or not have to constantly be sharing the bathroom, sharing the living space for months on end with strangers. So I would say don't be afraid to test out some options, have shared rooms or shared um, apartment spaces, but of course be cautious if you're using an Airbnb or hostel even, a lot of times they will have uh, reviews. So a good place to look for hostels is Hostel World. That's an app. It's a website. I've used it before. And then of course Airbnb for Airbnbs. I'm sure there are a lot of other websites, but I feel like those are the the most common ones and they tend to have reviews for the places. So read the reviews, ask questions, be cautious, follow your gut, but don't be afraid to have a shared space because you would end up you're saving money. So, you know. I also like to find a hostel or an Airbnb with a kitchen because I cook for myself, which is another tip to save money. So you limit how much you eat out and instead you cook most of your food. I do this because I'm vegan as well as I like to eat healthy and it saves a ton, a ton of money. Food is often a great way to experience the culture and to learn more about the place you're living in. So still, I mean, eat out, put some money away so that you can eat out once a week or once every other week to get to experience some of that. But also what I like to do is to find one of those local markets that are usually huge and walk through and buy some interesting looking fruits and vegetables that you've never heard of or seen before. Or even if you speak the language, you can ask a local like what's a traditional food that I can cook? What's a traditional vegetable? And an even safer way if you don't speak the language is to simply Google the area. Google what is a traditional food, traditional vegetables. There are lists and lists and recipes. So that way you can still experience the food, but more in depth because you have to learn how to cook it. You can do this through a local if you have a friend or you're meeting someone, you met someone new there and you cook together or they cook you something, but it saves a lot of money instead of eating out for every meal just so you can try new things from the culture, which a lot of people don't have money to do if they're trying to travel cheaply and also it's just not as healthy as cooking for yourself if you do want to eat out food stands and you know street carts are usually a lot cheaper and a lot of times I talked about this in in one of my Mexico episodes in some cultures it'll be like a family-owned quote-unquote restaurant where it's you know, out of their their garage or out of their window or on their porch. So stuff like that where it's really, truly family-cooked meal. But it's always, always be cautious, especially if you're in a place where the water is not safe for uh, travelers because if your stomach is not used to the water in the area or the spices of the area, you can easily get food poisoning and locals will not because they're used to the water or they're used to the spices and they have different, you know, bacteria in their gut than you do. So if you're going to eat at food stands, be cautious. Look at how they're cooking the food. Are they keeping meat and seafood products out in the open air? Are they, does it look, you know, just keep your eye out if you're going to eat at food stands. And the last thing about Airbnb is I kind of said it earlier when talking about clothes but if you can find one with a washer it will save you time and you'll be able to pack less 
Or, you know, if when in doubt, you can wash things by hand. And if it's if you're in a warm place, you can dry them out in in, you know, the front yard or on the porch or on the roof or anything like that. In Mexico, we had a washer, no dryer because nobody has dryers because it's sunny all the time. So there were clothing racks on the roof, clothing lines on the roof, and you would go use those. So my upcoming trip The Airbnb has a washer, but no dryer once again. I'm guessing it's the same situation, which I don't mind. And I also wouldn't be opposed to washing my clothes by hand, especially if you're bringing so little. It's not like you have to wash your whole closet's worth. You're washing, you know, a shirt or two shirts every once in a while just to keep everything fresh, but travel light and cheap. The next tip, I'm sure you probably have heard of it, (laughs) public transportation. Use it. Use the public transportation. For me, no matter where I'm going, especially if I'm traveling by myself, I will take the Uber to and from the airport just because I don't want to have my bag and try and figure out the public transportation while being a target for pickpocketers and obviously looking like a tourist. So I will set aside money specifically to take Ubers or taxis to and from my destination. Now, Ubers are very common around the world or Lyft or they have their own type of uh, transportation app of the area. So look into that before you leave, but also study up on the public transportation so that when you want to go to the museums or go to the parks, you don't pay $5 an Uber each time you pay 25 cents for a public transportation or a dollar for the public transportation. And when using the public transportation in any country, even in America, make sure you pack light on your body. So don't have a big backpack or a big purse. Fit things in a small purse or in your pockets or, you know, like a zippable pockets, not like your back pocket and your jeans because those can be easily taken. And if you are in a crowded area, just keep be cautious of where your money is. A lot of people will put money in their shoe or wear a money belt and kind of disperse their money around through their body. If you feel the need to do that, go for it. I never have, I've never felt the need to do that. Usually I have a very small crossbody purse that I, it's what I use and I keep it in front of me at all times and I've never had any issue traveling with it but of course, whatever makes you feel safest, whatever is easiest for you, that's what you're gonna do. The next tip is to fly to a nearby country to your final destination and then take a bus or a train to your final destination. So, for example, if that sounds confusing, if you want to go to Paris, but it is a lot cheaper to fly into London than it is to Paris fly into London, you can even spend a couple days in London and then take a bus or a train for whatever the cheaper price that it is. Take it overnight um, so you don't have to pay for a hotel or hostel room or anything like that and take it to your final destination. The one that I can think of on top of my head is called Flix Bus, F-L-I-X Bus, and they have it in the U.S. and Europe as well. And like I said, the overnight routes on buses and trains are usually cheaper, so you'll save money that way, and also you won't pay for a room to rent for that night, so you're going to be saving money to two birds with one stone. 
So if you need to travel Europe or if you want to see a bunch of countries in a couple months span, instead of flying, take the buses overnight, take trains. And I mean, even some people will rent cars, but I think if cheap is the way to go, it's always public transportation. Another tip is to make friends. Make friends with the locals and with other travelers. When I was in Puerto Rico, this was kind of the one that stood out the most because I became friends with a lot of people when I was there for a week and a half. And it resulted in me seeing a lot more than I would have if I didn't meet those people. So for example, in Puerto Rico, there is a forest. It's like the, the big rainforest. It's close to the capital of San Juan, but not close enough where there's public transportation. So there are no public transportation that take you to the rainforest. So you have to either go on a tour, like a tour bus that'll pick you up in the capital, or you rent an Uber. I think Ubers will take you there. Taxis will take you there. So for me, I happened to make a friend who is was from New York, but she kind of halfway lives in San Juan because she loves it so much so for six months out of the year she's there so she knows locals so I became friends with her and one of her friends's sisters is an uber driver so we ended up using that service the uber service through the friend of a friend and paid a lot less than you would have paying regularly because you know she gave us a little friend discount and because I didn't go by myself I went with my friend that I made there, we ended up splitting the cost of the Uber. So if you all, if you have a group of people that you met at the hostel you're staying at or at the cafe you went to, wherever, and you all have this place on your agenda, we want to go to the pyramids, we want to go see this monastery, we want to go whatever, to the mountains, then the prices will be cheaper. So if it usually costs $100 to take a taxi and you split it between four people, now you're only paying, what, $25 each instead of going by yourself and paying $100. And making friends with locals will, it'll be just a better experience because a lot of times locals will want to show you where they're from. They want to show you their country. So I've experienced where locals are like, oh, you want to go see the pyramids? We'll take you to the pyramids. And it's usually for free. They just do it out of the kindness of their heart. So in Mexico, I went a lot of places with my Mexican family. If you want to hear more about them, listen to my Mexico episodes before this. And we went to see the pyramids. They took me to a lot of different places. And they had a car, so they drove me, and I didn't have to pay all those fees. And I wasn't traveling alone. They could tell me about some of the history and show me the routes. That was really nice as well. So make friends with travelers, make friends with the locals, and just be open-minded to allow kindness of other people. But once again, be cautious. If you are traveling alone and someone seems kind of sketchy with them offering to drive you somewhere, just say no. I'd rather you be safe, and I'm sure everyone would rather you be safe and pay a little extra money than to be in an unsafe situation to save a couple bucks. So now we're going to get into flights, how to find those cheap flights. So, as I said in the very first tip, is to travel to cheap countries. Then the next tip is to travel during the low seasons or the lower seasons. So there's, you know, there's the high season where everything's more expensive and then everything other than that 
will be cheaper, but the low season will be the cheapest, right? So for example, through a quick Google search, if you want to go to Italy, the low season would be April and May or October and November. I find that October is like a very cheap time to go to Europe anyway. I had a lot of travel plans for 2020. I'm sure a lot of people did. And let me just, let me get into a little story time because I bought some cheap tickets. So first, in February, I bought tickets for Thailand. The reason I bought them was because I often go on Google Flights and am looking through cheap flights. And they were $400 round trip from New York to Thailand. That is crazy cheap. I, of course, had to immediately book them. I remember I was in class, and when I saw that they were $400, I texted my best friend, asked if she wanted to come with me. She wasn't able to, so I said, guess I'm going by myself, bought the tickets. Of course, my flight was one of the first to be canceled because I had a layover in China, so I never went to, Ch- to Thailand, and I got my money back, but hopefully February of 2022 will be the year of cheap tickets to Thailand so I can finally go. I was also supposed to go to Romania in May, so I bought tickets for that. Those ones weren't really cheap. I was going for family reasons. We had a family emergency, but I was supposed to go and stay for the entire summer and return in August. Ended up being canceled. And then I was going to go to France Paris specifically, and Amsterdam in October, and that never happened. But I remember the tickets for Paris were under $300 round trip from New York, and I was going to take an overnight bus for, I think it was under $20, maybe it was like $20, $25, an overnight bus to Amsterdam. It was like eight hours. It was an eight-hour trip. Stay there for a while, take the bus back. So I had some cheap, some cheap trips planned that didn't end up happening. But the reason I'm saying this is because a lot, throughout the year, you're going to find a lot of cheap flights and it's all dependent on so many different factors. So here are my tips on how to find cheap flights. First off, use incognito mode or a private browser when you're searching for flights This, some people say that this is fake, it's not true, but I have seen it happen. When you're searching for flights constantly, looking through different airlines or slightly switching your dates, the prices will go up. And then if you flip to a private browser and search the same things, you'll find your original low prices. It's because they know you're looking, so they can bump it up a, you know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, and you'll still pay it if you really want to go on the trip. So use incognito mode, and then when you find your flight, it also doesn't save your credit card information, so I feel like it's just a safer way because it'll delete all of your payment info as well. So incognito mode, step one. The next thing that I love to use is Google Flights. I go on Google Flights for fun multiple times a week. I don't know, maybe that's a crazy thing to do. But the great thing about Google Flights is you can put in specific dates but not a location. So you can say, say you have uh, three weeks off in February. You can put those dates in. You can also put plus or minus three days, two days a week. So you can change that. 
So if you have a general month, general idea, you want to take the days off, you can search that in Google Flights, and then it will show you everywhere around the world from those dates, from your place of departure, and then you can look and see what's cheap around the world. Maybe it'll be really cheap to go to Colombia, or maybe it'll be really cheap to go to Spain, or Iceland, or... I don't know, Japan, will be, it'll be cheap. And you're like, what, $700 to Japan? Which is cheap. That's crazy. So that's really great that Google Flights do that. And then you can also search general dates. So there's a way where it says, I want to go on a two-week trip in these certain months. I don't know when. Just find me the cheapest flights. And it'll show you the cheapest flights of your specific location or of the world. So that's... It's really fun. I was talking to my friend and he had some time off and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you should go to this place. Like it's really cheap right now. Like I think flights were only like $250 round trip. And I just have these random dates and random places, prices memorized in my head simply because of how much I use Google Flights. So after using Google Flights and kind of narrowing down where you want to go and more specific dates... Then I go to Skyscanner. So there's also, there's some other websites that are similar, but Skyscanner has been the best for me. So I go to Skyscanner, also still in incognito, private browser mode, and I search the now specific date and locations, and it will usually give me a cheaper price than what was given to me on Google. I don't know why, but Skyscanner saves me money, so then I go to Skyscanner. Another option to keep in mind is um, it's a website called Airwander and it is great to create like a multi-stop trip. So say you have a couple months off and you want to travel like to as many places as possible. This utilizes the layovers. So you can put in I want to go from New York to Spain and then for Spain you want to go to Russia, it'll give you options to add layovers in between and you can increase or decrease the amount of days that the layover is. So you're in Spain, then afterwards you want to go to Russia. In between, it makes it cheaper if you have a five-day layover in Poland. So then you go in Poland, technically it's a layover, it's five days, but you're saving $200 than if you were to fly directly from Spain to Russia. Those, that was a random example, but I think a lot of places in Europe will have layovers, and then if you extend the layovers, you're ending up paying the same amount that you would without stopping. So if you want to go from Spain to Italy, it stops in France, but instead of just having an hour layover or a two-hour layover, you extend it, your flight is still the same, but you didn't have to pay to fly Spain to France, then France to Italy, if any of that makes sense. If not, just check out the Airwander website and play, mess around with it, and plan your dream trip. Plan like six months. Just do it for fun. I like to do it. Say you just manifest this six-month trip. And yeah, why not? Get get your, your wanderlust flowing in ya. So the last thing that I'm going to talk about, I'm just going to bring up some locations And purely based on what I recently, like two days ago, I Google searched this. So like I said, things change, prices change. But based on the internet, 
Cheapest time to travel through it- to Italy is April, May, or October and November. If you want to go to South America, a lot of places it's cheapest to go in March and June or September through November. For Thailand, the internet says the cheapest month by far is September. I say it's February because that's when I found my $400 round trip flight. But maybe it's also cheap in September. Now some specific prices that I just recently searched. This was all on Google Flights. So usually, like I explained earlier, it'll dock, you know, $20, $30 when you use Skyscanner. So on Google Flights, if you want to go to Paris for the whole month in October, it'll cost $320 round trip from New York City. To go to Indonesia, Jakarta, Indonesia, in February... It'll cost $684 round trip from New York City. For January and February, if you want to go to Colombia, which, spoiler, that's where I'm going, um, in January and February, it cost me $200 round trip, but it was going from Detroit. So that's another thing to note. If you have multiple airports that are within reasonable driving distance from you keep that in mind so when I went to Mexico it was way cheaper to go from Chicago so my younger brother drove me to Chicago which is like a three-hour drive from where I live and I saved $200 because I didn't fly from Detroit another option is if you are far away from kind of a big airport where the flights are cheap. Usually, you know, it's LA, Chicago, New York, probably some, you know, like Austin, Texas, Dallas, Texas, well, I don't know, big cities. If you have friends or family in that area, in that state, fly to them for cheaper, stay for a day or stay for a couple days, and then fly from cheaper to your final destination, which can save hundreds of dollars. If I look in comparison from Detroit and New York, sometimes it seriously is like a $400 difference, but my flight is only $100 from here to New York, so I would save $300. I used to live in New York, still kind of live in New York, so that would be an easy trip for me. So I guess it's kind of similar to the flying to a nearby country and then taking a bus to your destination so if you fly to a state that has cheaper flights maybe you can spend some time in that state with friends family or in a hostel and get some traveling in the U.S. done as well I guess if I had to summarize everything and give you just like one tip like one general thing that I would recommend is to not be set on a certain destination So if you really want to go somewhere, you don't have to go immediately. So I have a very long list. I have a long list of places that I want to go to, which makes it easier because I'm willing to go to any of those places at any time. But if you only want to go to Madrid or if you only want to go to Amsterdam, that is going to mean you're going to pay more money for it because you're not willing to see any other countries. So if you really are interested in travel, that means being interested in places that are a little different from the norm, or going not in the summer, going maybe during the colder months, going in the fall or in the winter, but 
just keep your heart open, listen to the signs, look at the prices, and I'm sure that if you end up going to a country that wasn't on your original list, or maybe you take an extended layover in some country that you had no interest in before, there's beauty in every single country, and don't let media fool you, don't let people's experiences in Europe fool you, because I have traveled very, very limited in Europe. I've only been to Romania, and I want to travel Europe, but right now, for me, it is the most expensive location in terms of accommodation and food, and for me and my journey right now, it is cheaper for me to fly to places that are cheaper overall and that I can afford while still learning about these beautiful cultures and opening up my mind and my understanding of people around the world, which gains more compassion, more love to all people. So in general, just keep your mind open. Think outside of the box. You'll have fun. Be safe. Those are my tips. I hope that they help you. Maybe I'll do a part two of more tips because there are many. There are many tips. So let me know if you like it. Give this a five-star review. Leave a comment. If you want to see pictures from my travels, go to my Instagram at Christine Chicanu, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-C-I-U-C-A-N-U, and let me know what you think.